Well, good morning again, everybody. I'm stoked to be able to share with you this morning. We've been in a series here at Crossroads Church in the Gospel of John, and so you're going to need a Bible to track along with us today as we try to unpack what we're talking about today. And uh, so if you need a Bible um, or you don't own one, we actually have one for you, and we'd like to give it to you and hope that you read it every day. So if you need one, just put your hand in the air. One of our guys in the back will get one. we got one over here, one in the back, and you can borrow that and leave it in the seat, or you could take that home, make that your personal Bible. We would love that. And we pray that you read it every single day because when you do, we believe here at Crossroads Church that this entire book from beginning to end, not just the New Testament, not just the back half, but the entire thing is a big story all about Jesus. And we say all the time here at Crossroads Church that this whole thing, this whole experience, these scriptures, it's all about I nailed it in the first service, and you guys need to help me out. Every time we get together and gather at Crossroads Church, we say that this whole thing is all about Jesus. And we don't want to become cliche here at Crossroads Church. So if you've been attending here for a while, plugging in, getting connected, we truly believe that. And when we look at scripture, we know that we're looking at it. When we look at it properly, we're going to see and know and understand and have a relationship with the person of Jesus. And that's what this whole experience is about here at Crossroads Church. So in case you haven't noticed, here at Crossroads Church, maybe you've been here for a while or maybe just for a little while. We tell a lot of Jesus stories around here because it's all about him. And so that's what we want to focus on this morning. As we dive back into the Gospel of John, we're going to be in chapter 8. So go ahead and open there, chapter 8. We're going to be looking at verse 31 through 38. The truth will set you free. And you can say amen when you get there. You can also download this incredible resource called the YouVersion Bible app. And uh, I love it because when I read a lot, I get headaches. And the YouVersion Bible app will read to me in a really nice voice. Not too nice like where you fall asleep. You know what I mean? So check that out. I love the YouVersion Bible app. It's a great resource provided for free. Check out your app store, YouVersion Bible app. Okay, say amen if you're there. John chapter 8, verse 31. So Jesus said... To the Jews who had believed him. If you abide in my word, can you say abide? Abide in my word. Say word. We're going to be talking about that. We're going to talk about abide or we're going to talk about word. You are truly my disciple. Say disciple. Abide, word, disciple. Okay. And you will know the truth. Say truth. 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 Abide, word, disciple, and truth. We're going to be looking at these things today. And the truth will set you free. Say free. free. We're going to be talking about a lot of words today, okay? Bible study time. Buckle up. Verse 33, they answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly. So if you have a Bible and there's like words written in red, and anytime you see Jesus say truly, truly, he's trying to emphasize a point. He's saying, listen to me and listen to me now. So Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin, now say sin, another word we're going to talk about, okay? Sin, the S word, uh uh-oh. Whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. 
I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do not, sorry, and you do what you have heard from your father. Will you pray with me? Jesus, we just ask right now that your spirit would be the one to lead us and guide us into the truth of who you are. The truth that you're all, you are all that you say you are. You're king of our hearts. And that you give us a command here in this passage to live by, to abide in your word. Help us to discover what that means today. Help us to discover more of who you are, that we might be like you, and the world would see you in us and through us in your church. In Jesus' name, amen, everybody. Amen. So there's this uh, very famous classical pianist. This guy is like a genius on the piano. And um, in the book Uprising by Pastor Erwin McManus, he, he chronicles this performance that he was witnessing by this famous uh, pianist named uh, Chris Crossan. A uh, very famous guy, uber talented musician. And this guy can play anything from like Bach, Beethoven, um, Chopin, all the way to Beatles tunes and everything in between. And so Pastor Erwin McManus is witnessing this, this, uh, this performance. And, um, and, and the crowd's just amazed at what this guy can do. And at the end of the performance, he, he calls a volunteer out from the crowd. So this young man, uh, probably college age student, uh, 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 he invites him onto the stage, and so he's all gung-ho to come up on the stage with Chris Crossan, this very, very famous musician, obviously uh, extremely talented. And Chris Crossan begins to tell the young man that, now, now, young man, you have the freedom to sit down and play whatever you want. So just, just go ahead. Like, I'm giving you the stage. I'm kind of done with my performance. Just sit down and play whatever you want. And so the young man now is a little stressed out because he, he's getting up after the guy who just played Beethoven and, and, and Beatles tunes and uh, just amazing talent. And, 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 and Chris, Crossing, Chris Crossing begins to uh, belabor his points a little bit to the young man. Like, no, 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 I'm telling you, if you just sit down, you, can, you have the freedom to play whatever you want. Like, you could just play chopsticks. Just play whatever you want. I, I would love to. And the young man now is, is getting more and more stressed and embarrassed and now visibly regretting coming on stage with Chris Crossan. And Chris Crossan says, if you have the opportunity to play whatever you want. And then the young man finally explains, I don't really know how to play the piano. And Chris Crossan begins to press his point further. It's that, it's not that you don't have the opportunity to play, but opportunity does not equal the freedom to play. And as you begin to express his point and press his point even further, Pastor Erwin McManus begins to describe that it's actually discipline that creates the freedom to play the piano. I remember being a young kid, I'm, I'm a musician uh, by trade, and um, uh, most weeks you'll find me up behind, uh, on, behind me on stage playing and singing and leading worship. And I've been playing and singing and leading worship in, in churches since I was 12 years old. And now I'm 33, so that's 21 years. And so I've got some miles on these fingertips. And, um, but I can remember being a young kid um, uh, in between sixth and seventh grade, actually, and I was grounded for the summer. Thanks, Mom. And uh, that is where I honed my craft and got introduced to music, really, and took some lessons and began to play all kinds of instruments. But the devotion and the discipline to learning and following and training is what gave me the freedom to actually play music. This is what Chris Crossan was pressing on this young man. Unfortunately, at the young man's expense, he kind of embarrassed him a little bit. But this is kind of what Jesus is getting at here in the passage. 
Jesus tells them, abide, say abide. Abide in my word. Abide in my word. So this word abide, it, it kind of encompasses a lot of things. And, and how do we abide? We do this by living a life of devotion in Christ. So when Jesus says, abide in my word, that's a command. So if you're going to follow Jesus, Christian, believer, um, if you've been doing this, this Jesus thing, this Christianity thing for any length of time, Jesus is command, he's asking them to abide. Abide is an action. There's a decision that has to happen in your mind, in your heart, to actually abide. And let's talk more about abide. We do this by living a life of devotion, disciplined at following Jesus and what he says. Disciplined. The earliest disciples of Jesus, the root of the word disciple is discipline. There's something about abiding in Jesus that makes you a disciple. There's something about following, abiding in Jesus's words that makes you a disciplined disciple follower of him. Are you tracking with me? Jesus is connecting directly here in the passage to the original purpose of humanity. Remember the story of Adam and Eve way back in the book of Genesis, the very first book. So if you're new to the Bible, it's like you, you could just right away, you're, you're getting this really cool story where Adam and Eve were like the first people, the story goes. And it says that they, Adam and Eve, walked with God in the cool of the morning. They walked with God. They abided with God. They were in the presence of God. They were, they were with him, abiding in who he is. And later, Jesus is going to go on. Later on, we might get to John chapter 15 in like the next seven years. Okay, um, but in John chapter 15, Jesus talks about it this way. I am the vine, he says, the true vine, true vine. And then he says that we, his, his children, his followers, his disciples, the ones abiding in his word, we are like the branches. And then Jesus, later on in John chapter 17, Jesus is going to pray this very famous priestly prayer. Maybe you've never heard of it. But Jesus actually prays to his father that we would all become one with Jesus as Jesus is one with the father. So the big idea in abiding, that the encompassing nature of the word abide, this action that Jesus is commanding of his disciples, is that we must live a devoted life in order to have the freedom that he guarantees. There's an action behind abide. It's us stepping into relationship. It's us pursuing relationship with him. It's us knowing him, walking with him, being like branches of the true vine. So there's this oneness with Jesus that he's getting at in this word abide. The big idea is that it takes a devoted life to have a free life. It's like this. It's this, then you get that. It's what Chris Crossan was talking about. If, if you had the discipline, then you would have the freedom to play. Jesus is saying the same thing. If you abide, if you abide in my word, then you will be free. If you do this, you'll get that. So abiding is living a life so devoted to the discipline of following Jesus' word 
that your life will begin to bear fruit that Jesus bears. What is fruit? Fruit is the production of your life that represents what God is doing in and through you. Other passages of scripture talk about the aroma of Christ in the church, in us, individuals, collectively, as a faith community. Pastor Sam always articulates it this way here at Crossroads Church. When people bite into your life, figuratively, not literally, that's cannibalism, figuratively, spiritually, what do they get? What do they taste? What, what is the tannins, the aroma? We live in a wine valley, right? What, what is the aroma that they pick up on? What is all the flavor? Is it, is it joy? Is it peace? Is it goodness? Is it righteousness? Self-control. I'm literally reading those off the back wall, by the way. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit, Jesus talks about, when people bite into your life and get a taste do they taste you or do they taste Jesus? A life devoted to the discipline of following Jesus, your life begins to bear fruit. Abiding in my word, abiding in Jesus' words, God's word, we will do so and be so integrated with Jesus that his word will begin to change us and will actually live liberated and free. Freedom. Freedom from what? There's this, we talk a lot about four-letter words in the church. Well, this one's a three-letter word, and it's the S word. Maybe you're not familiar with it. It's, uh, it's kind of hard to talk about when we're looking at ourselves, but uh, it's easy to talk about when we're pointing fingers at everybody else. It's, it's the S word. It's sin. Sin. The one no one likes to talk about, that one word no one likes to talk about. Jesus says in verse 34, whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. Slave to sin. So Jesus is going, there are two ways here. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So we have a choice to make. Abide, go the Jesus way, travel with Jesus, learn about Jesus, and we could talk about how we're going to do that, or something else. The something else ultimately is sin. There's this dichotomy between these two paths. Jesus is getting at this. Follow me, abide in my word, you'll be free. When the sun sets free, is free indeed, or something else. Ultimately, it's my way or his way. Jesus' way leads to freedom. Freedom from sin. Not just forgiveness. Not just forgiveness, but liberation from the grip it has on your life. Not just forgiveness. And then there's my way, which leads to death. Leads to, well, this is all there is. So I need to wring out every last bit of opportunity that I can create for myself in this life because it's all about me. The big idea with sin, ultimately, is sin is really about trusting yourself more than trusting God. I'm going to take my path, my way, my, 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 my opportunity to create my own success, my own wealth, my own whatever, no matter who I step, along, step on to get along on my way. Dichotomy. Jesus' way. 
Sin is really about trusting yourself and ultimately deceiving yourself that you have what it takes. And the thing about sin and deceiving yourself, and ultimately sin is about, is literally defined as missing the mark. In a world where objective morality is, is being challenged, objective truth is being challenged, where in our, in our schools and in our university systems, we entertain philosophical thoughts that truth is subjective to your own experience. And we say things all the time, trying to encourage one another as human beings. Oh, speak your truth. Um, baby, do you. Um, uh, YOLO, you only live once. And so the problem with all these philosophies is that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And when we all look in the mirror at the end of the day and brush our teeth, and I hope you do, we know ourselves. Yet, sin ultimately is deceiving ourselves that we're okay on our own, that we can go our own way and not God's way, that our way is just better. Now, we could spend so much time talking about like sins, you know, like these, the dark, dirty little secrets that we all got. I know none of you believers here in Jesus uh, have any sin in your life whatsoever. You have no bad thoughts. You, 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 you make the right decision every time. I'm confident in that. None of you know anything what I'm talking about. We could spend all day talking about the dirty, dark secrets in our minds and in our hearts and in our past and also fully acknowledging that we know we're going to screw up or we know we're going to mess up in the future. But ultimately what sin is is a decision of unbelief. That my way in this moment is about me and me alone and not about God. Because my subjective morality, my subjective, subjective truth in this moment, I've believed the lie. I've bit into the forbidden fruit to get what I want in this moment, no matter how regrettable it may be. Check, check this out. This is, this is just the nature of the fallen human heart and mind. Verse 33. So the Jews answered Jesus. So Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if you abide in me, you'll be free because of the truth of who I am. Okay? And, and then this is, their, this is their response. When they hear the word free, they automatically um, assume slavery. Okay? Jesus hasn't even mentioned, mentioned slavery yet. Okay? And we say, they say, they answered him, we are the offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. Okay, okay. These are the Jews, right? History lesson. Can anybody remember a period in the history of the children of Israel? I don't know, maybe you've never spent time in Sunday school as a kid, but surely like some world history class that may have come up. Have the children of Israel ever been enslaved? A few times, a few times. <laughs> the irony and the audacity to say this to Jesus, who they considered a rabbi, by the way. The audacity, of course they were enslaved. Um, first the Egyptians, uh, pretty sure uh, the Babylonians and the Assyrians, to name a few. Not to mention, here in this moment, they are living as a conquered people under Rome. The irony, this is, this is what sin does. You deceive yourself. 
When you trust yourself, you'll deceive yourself to the point that you'll make erroneous statements about yourself as if you know yourself. This is just the, the messed up nature of our human minds when it comes to sin because sin is all about us. It's, not, it's about the lie. It's not about the truth. The truth is they were enslaved many times and they were currently basically living as slaves under Rome. But this is what we do. You ever known people when they buy so heavily into a lie, they create their own reality? Never. Never known anyone? Not to get too heavy on you. Every person who's ever been tried and tracked and caught as a serial killer all believed in themselves. The human mind, if unchecked, if subjective, moral, if subjective morality and subjective truth runs its course in our hearts as human beings, we will lead ourselves to bite into the lie, the forbidden fruit that we are God. God is not God. His way is not better than our way. It's our way. And we will objectify everyone around us because no one else matters except me. We've seen this throughout the history of mankind. If we let ourselves go unchecked to the depravity of who we are, to the depravity of sin, it is a scary image. When it comes to sin, we all must acknowledge that if we continue to trust ourselves, we will never be free from sin. If we continue to trust ourselves that if... If I dabble in this and if I do that and if I continue to entertain and, and play both sides of the fences instead of abiding in his word, we will never be free from sin because we truly aren't abiding. We truly aren't traveling with Jesus. So here are some implications from this text that, that we need to we need to solidify, okay? Jesus is talking about two pathways in life. Every single human being, every single one of us sitting in this room, every single person watching online under the sound of my voice right now, Jesus is saying to us that there are two pathways. Number one is your pathway, aka better known as slavery under sin. The idea that you have what it takes on your own, not just to be right with God, not just to, to make all the right decisions, uh, but to, to believe in your own morality and your own ethics on your own because it's inside of you and not from God. That is the lie of the enemy that Jesus is talking about. That is the slavery to sin because ultimately that road will lead you to the worst decisions of your life, the most painful decisions of your life, and not just affecting you, but everybody else. That's sin. You'll miss the mark so bad. That's the first road. Number one, your way. Number two is Jesus' way. And it's freedom from the slavery of sin. There's no in between. The dichotomy of the two. Road number one ultimately is about self-deception. And now self-deception is the worst kind of deception because it's the most damaging. It's the most damaging to you that you can live life on your own and achieve freedom, that you can take every opportunity to focus on yourself and waste time 
devoting yourself to temporary things that don't last, that don't drink, bring true purpose and meaning to your life. Self-deception is the most damaging form of deception. So how do we avoid this kind of sin, this kind of self-deception? Ultimately, Jesus is saying this in terms of the idea of abiding in his word. We have to devote ourselves to knowing what Jesus says about everything. We have to devote ourselves to knowing what Jesus says about all things. I gotta know his words. Like we said at the beginning today, we tell Jesus stories here because when we tell Jesus stories and we look in scripture, we can read Jesus's words and by reading, abiding in his words, over time, this amazing thing happens when we really devote ourselves to that, really discipline our lives around that, not just coming to church, not just dropping something in the offering bucket, not just volunteering in childcare on Sunday mornings, even though you really should volunteer in childcare on Sunday mornings. I'm looking at every single person in this room. Not just all that. Those are all important things. But abiding in his words so that the freedom we can experience in our lives through Jesus would actually be tangible. Because the more I get to know Jesus and know what he says about all things, the more I look at the Bible, which is just a big story about Jesus, and I read it properly and apply it to my life properly in Christian community, in faith community, that concept is what we're experiencing right now. The more I do that, the more I'll be able to look back on this journey, on this road and see, oh my gosh, Lord, you're changing me. That's called discipleship. The more I apply the discipline of becoming a devoted follower of Jesus and abiding in his word. Remember John chapter one? In the beginning was the word, the logos. And the word is with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word, friends. The word of truth, the bread of life. This spiritual thing that God wants to do on the inside of you. Jesus wants you to abide in him everything that he says. And I got to know his word. Apostle Paul says it this way, that faith in us comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. When we hear the words of Jesus and we're on the path to following him, we've abandoned our way and we've dedicated ourselves to following his way, he will stir faith in us. He will do it in the work and power of his spirit. Amen. But here's the hurdle. Time. Something we all can't get around. Time is our master. Can be. Yeah, Pastor Joe, I don't have the time. Because of the lie that this is all there is. This tangible experience, this world that I can experience and touch and feel and smell and live in and suffer through and have joy in. This is all there is. That's the lie that Jesus is combating. Abide in my word, which is eternal. I'm the bread of life, which is spiritual. 
I'm the living water. You'll never thirst again. It's not talking about you actually physically being thirsty. He knows you need water. He knows you need food. But what is it about life that when we experience all the tangible things, it's just not enough. It's because of the lie. It's the forbidden fruit that this is all there is. So I have to get everything I can out of it because YOLO, you only live once. Amen. 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 So the hurdle of time. Time is our master. I don't have the time. There's better things I could be doing with my time. Ultimately, friends, that is how we missed the mark with sin. We can believe our, and deceive ourselves into believing that the decision, every single little decision we make, little ones and small ones, that I make that decision in contrast to abiding in God. And ultimately, that is what makes us sinful. If we adequately, Jesus says, devoted our time, we would know the truth. We would be truly his disciples and we would know the truth and he would set us free from our sin. This idea that we talk about all the time here at Crossroads Church, repentance, this Greek word, it's really, really interesting. It's called metanoia. And the, the literal translation is to change the way we think so that we do something different. Ultimately, when we abide in Jesus's word, he will help us actively and passively change the way we think. Repentance is this two-sided thing where we can only hear so much, we can only believe so much, we can only have so much faith in and of ourselves, and there's this supernatural experience of going, yes, God, you've revealed to me that this is true. This is true. I want to take your path, and then I actually have to do something. I have to abide. Jesus says. Time is the hurdle. Jesus says, if you devote your time, your life to the truth, then he will set you free. Free from sin, free from fear. Fear of what? That death is all that awaits you. And that's what makes this life so much more important. The temporary is all you've got. This life is all there is. That's the fear. That time will run out on all of us. You ever notice this? Like on your birth certificate, there's a start date. Some of you might call it your birthday. <clears throat> your birthday, your startup date, the moment you were born. And then there's this long line of your life. Some of us will be around a lot longer than others, depending on what happens. And sometimes it's the decisions we make uh, with our health. Sometimes it's accidents. Sometimes it's just the fallen nature of this world. But there will be a start date and an end date to every single one of our lives. And if we're not careful, we'll fall victim to the lie, the lie way back in Genesis, this famous story, the Garden of Eden. We've already talked about it. When Adam and Eve made the decision to believe the lie and were deceived to eat of the fruit because ethically they decided in that moment that the knowledge of experiencing the wrong thing, the temporary thing, the fruit, but bad fruit, was more important than following God's way. They were already walking with him. 
They were already experiencing the fullness of the original plan to be with God, abiding in his goodness and his grace. Everything provided for you. The Garden of Eden. We've all got a start date and an end date, and we have to decide what to do with our time. Jesus is getting at. What are you going to do with it? You've only got so much, and you don't know how much you have, right? So Jesus says, Abide in my word so that you know the truth about me, so that I can set you free from your sin, or something else. Something else. Here's the dichotomy it's about my way, or it's about his way. I want to close with this. Think about it this way. Imagine you're on the side of a road and up pulls Jesus in a nice car. Like, whoa, it's Jesus. He's in a nice car. And Jesus says, hey, want to go on a road trip? Yeah, like you're Jesus. Um, savior of the world, king of the world. I, 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 I know who you are, John 3.16. What, WWJD, you're famous. Cool, well, come abide in me and let's go on this road trip. Awesome. So you're in the car with Jesus and you're trucking along and Jesus is driving the car, of course, because when you abide in Jesus, when you follow Jesus, he's driving the car because you can't trust yourself with driving the car, right? So you just, you got to trust him. So Jesus is driving and you notice some things out the window that while it's okay and everything's cool inside the car, everything outside is, is the same. You keep driving past all these milestones throughout your life. You, you see that the world is still pretty messed up. Things happen along the way. And you look over at Jesus and you go, man, Jesus, I, th I thought this was going to be different. I thought this was going to be like a trip of a lifetime. And Jesus goes, it is. There's a destination that you can't see yet. Like, let's just keep going. I I'll let you off if you want. But really, let's, I promise, let's, let's keep going. Let's just stay the course. I don't know, Jesus. I think maybe at the next truck stop, I'll, I might hop off and I don't really know. I don't know how I feel. You really shouldn't do that, but okay. Psalms 23 talks about it this way. The psalmist says that he prepares a table in the presence of my enemies. A table. There's a feast there. What if God is just trying to get us to stay in the car with him? What if he just wants us to sit at the table that he's prepared for us? We have everything we need at this table. If we could just feast on the goodness of Jesus and abide in his word and devote, devote ourselves to it and be disciplined enough to stay seated at the table no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how bad it gets. There's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. I don't know if you've noticed. 
Maybe you're smarter than I am. You turn the TV off. We sit as believers in Jesus Christ at this table that he has prepared for us in the peace and knowledge of truth and who he is because we are not limited to the time between our start date and our end date. It's not all there is. That's what Jesus says. And if we abide in his word and stay on the road trip with Jesus, just stay in the car. You know, remember when you were a kid and you went on long road trips with your parents and how horrible it was? You remember that? How boring it was? But you got to see a lot of really cool things. And your parents did it because they wanted to teach you something. Remember that? What if Jesus just wants us to sit at the table and to feast on his goodness? And yes, we will see things in our world all around us in the presence of my enemies. Sometimes the enemy is yourself, lying to yourself, deceiving yourself to get up from the table and leave the feast that he's prepared for you. Abide. Abide in my word. And you'll truly be my disciples. Truly. truth, the truth about me will set you free. Real freedom is staying at the table with Jesus. And the grip of sin will lose its hold. When you devote yourself to abiding and being a disciplined disciple of Jesus, he will not fail. Many of you in this room can attest to that. Can I just say, at this last year and a half, it's been a battle for the whole world. You know why? Because of this moment. I can share my story with you right now. You could share your story with me. And in isolation, I would never know what God's done in your life. And you would never know what God's done in mine. How I've abided, and it paid off. How at times I got off at the truck stop and made a mistake, and there was Jesus, ready to pick me up again. The beautiful thing about the table in the presence of your enemies is that it's always there. It doesn't go away. It's eternal. I'm the bread of life, he says. You'll never hunger again. The water he wants to give you, you will never thirst again because you're not limited to this time. You're not limited to the master of time. You're not enslaved to sin because your way isn't the only way. There's another way. Abide. You'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Will you pray with me? Jesus, give us the strength to abide. Give us the tools to combat the lie 
that this life is all there is, that there's nothing on the other side, that your love and your grace expressed on the cross is enough and is the hope for humanity. That we live and breathe with your breath in our lungs and your spirit is doing something all over the face of this earth that we cannot see, but we can feel and that we need to talk about it. And we can no longer isolate ourselves and quarantine ourselves spiritually. We can no longer do these things because of the lie that this is all there is. And so we must preserve life. What if the life that you have for us is so much bigger than that goes beyond our end date? How much more meaning and purpose would we have would we find in the life we are living. Your words ring true, Jesus. Your words ring true. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And that you have come to give life abundantly, abundantly, in this life and the next, if we just stay seated at the table if we just stay on the road trip, if we just stay in the car, knowing that if we fall, if we do miss the mark, you're there ready for us. The table's still set. And so for anyone here this morning, Lord, that's wondering, that's questioning their journey, their road, they don't know where they're at, they may have stepped up from the table, given the courage to abide again, to sit down at your table and feast on your goodness. In your holy name we pray. Amen, church? Amen. Will you stand all of this place and give him praise this morning because he's a good father? Amen. Come on, would you give him praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus.